Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our Maryland homestead. We've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. We're going to talk about construction and court cases. <laughs> yes, it has been a crazy month. We haven't podcasted, I don't think, in January. Is no, this, not since are uh, we still Christmas. In, are we still in January right now? Yes, it's yeah. still January. <laughs> it has been like a crazy month. We have not been able to sit down to podcast or really do anything. So yeah. um, well, and now we have a chance to share about it. It's That's been right. a crazy month. <laughs> That's right. So since we moved out here, we've done a ton of things to implement the homestead. Right. We haven't really done much on our house since we got here. We fixed little things like, you know, the towel racks break and stuff like that, but we haven't really done a lot of projects here. Right. So a little bit of history about us. We love the idea. Pete has a background in construction and a real gift in construction. He's uh, when I met him, he had his own construction company, and his dad had a construction company. And right, well, my own construction company—that's kind of a stretch. You did whatever. Anyway, you have a gift <laughs> in it. You do amazing work. You do. He does amazing work, and he does, and he's fast too. And so we bought an old house um, back when we first got married and fixed it up. Right, and, we've talked about that in 1900 right. Victorian in Catonsville, and yes. we renovated it. Right. So then we decided we wanted to farm and we didn't want to be working on houses anymore. So uh, we moved out here and we actually looked at a lot of fixer upper farms because in our area, land is so expensive in the Maryland area. And it's really hard. And I know most families can agree. It's really hard to find a good piece of land that's good for homesteading and a good house. That's just very hard to find unless you're very, very wealthy. Right, so, and the land was way more important to us than right. the house. So when we went looking for farms, we weren't the house was always secondary. So we'd look at the land, and then we'd say, okay, this land is what we want, but the house always came after the land. And some of the houses were crazy. We put offers on a couple other farms before this farm, right. and the houses were really falling apart, and we didn't care. And it was a real gift. By the time we got to this one, the house was in perfect condition, really. Like It was terrific. I mean... Uh, yeah, a couple had lived here for over 10 years, and they had done a lot of the jobs that would not have been fun to do. Right. They, they really, really did a good job here. And I think God knows what we need. So we thought, hey, we can handle another fixer-upper. We don't care. We just want to farm. But God knows what we need. We needed to be able to focus on the land and not be fixing things. So for the past almost three years, we have been just planting and building fences and things like that. And we have not been doing house projects and that's exactly what we need. But I will say... Well, because doing a lot of those house projects is a whole lot easier before having kids. So that's when we renovated our other house right? because so much of the homesteading activities I can do with my kids, like they can be a part of it. Even if they're watching me, they can be there doing things. But then when it comes to renovating house projects, there's a lot of it where it's like I've I've got to have them away. And that's you know, really it's tough. It's dusty, it's dirty, mm-hmm. it's dangerous. There's yeah. So anyway. Luckily, I camped out at my friend's house for a couple days. Yeah. <laughs> like we just, I just have to get the kids out. I can't be like, we can't be breathing in construction stuff. So anyway, um, to back up a little bit. So we bought this house at perfect condition and it's a great house and I wanted, and I'm very thankful for it. So I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but we gave everything to live here. So like you know, our whole, our whole savings, we like held nothing back to, to buy this farm. Um, and it was kind of like, we're, you know, we're all in, we're not going to send our kids to private school. We're not going to take a lot of vacations or, you know, we are, everything's going to this farm. And there were things about this house that 
even though I didn't give in to the um, temptation to not be grateful, there were things that were like drove me kind of crazy. <laughs> like it's very, um, I guess the way that the layout is, it's built in the seventies and everything's very chopped up. Right. Um, there's a lot of square footage, but there's, you know, there's walls everywhere. And- right. And I'm the kind of person we do everything big. So when we host things, if we have, and, and we have a big family and a lot of our friends have big families. So I feel like even having two families over somehow it's like, 15 children, you know? And so I always felt like we never fit anywhere in the house. <laughs> I don't know. I just, and whatever, it just, that's how I, I felt. And I'm like, I need more, I feel like we need to just an open room. We need to somehow open this house up. And, and then the other thing that was, that drove me crazy about the house, like drove me crazy to the point of tears <laughs> was the couple that lived here before us didn't have kids or they didn't have kids living here and they were able to keep the house very clean. And the kitchen was this really beautiful white tile and not just a white tile, not like a smooth, easy to clean white tile. It was a, um, how would you describe it? Textured, textured surface? white tile right? with white grout. Right. So you couldn't just like wipe it with a mop or something. I had to get in there with a brush and like scrub the floor to get all the dirt out of the little, um, surfaces. And right. And the holes. grout was just your standard concrete style grout. Right. So white grout becomes brown grout. Right. So we're this family that homeschools four boys on a farm with dogs that come in in the winter, and the floor was always filthy. And so I had to, to make it look clean. I'd have to get on my hands and knees and scrub it. And then the next day, it would look completely dirty again. And you could say like, oh, make your kids take their shoes off when they come in. That's great. But for the most part, my kids are barefoot and I can't make them scrub their feet every time they come in and out of the house and they're in and out all day long. And I don't want to be like, hey, kids, stay inside because I don't want you to get the house dirty. I want them to live a life where they can really run the farm. So they're in and out and it's just constant dirt no matter all the little tricks that I tried. So basically I'm like, it brought me to tears. I'm saying to Pete, I'm the only mom that I know that A, scrubs her floor. Nobody does that. B, I scrub the floor and then it looks dirty the next day. And it's just like, <laughs> it drives me crazy. So I got to the point where I just said to Pete, okay, I can't, I can't have this white floor anymore. I can't waste hours washing this floor. And, yeah. and well, I'm that, not even so a that was, Yeah, that was the white floor, but then there was the other floor. So okay. the other half nearly of the first floor was this engineered flooring product. And so this has become kind of a pet peeve of mine is just the same way that our food might not have any quality to it, but in the store, it just needs to look really good. Mm -hmm. That's basically the same thing at the home store is that people buy stuff because they want it to look good, but it might have no substance to it at all. So a lot of the products when you go into these stores is they've been engineered to last eh, five years, maybe 10 at the most, and they look amazing the day you put it down, but then there's no substance to it at all. So this is one of these floors where it's a whole bunch of laminated uh, pieces of wood particles pressed together and somehow they make it look like a natural floor. Um, at least as long as you don't look too close. But, you know, it had probably been here about five years and it didn't last. Um, somehow the oils came out of it or it was drying out a whole bunch. The kids were getting splinters from it. Right. And so this product that looked like a wonderful brand new floor f- like five years ago, right. that's nothing. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we should be building houses that last 100 years, but certainly more than five. Right. And so the idea of having our first floor where the kids were getting splinters, but Again, just having this product in it, I just, I didn't want it there. I wanted something more substantial. Right. So we're going to talk about how this project, this, this kitchen floor 
basically um, snowballed into like a complete renovation. So, okay. So Pete, I, when I was at my wits end with the white floor and I guess a year ago, we kind of decided, all right, our first project is going to be to rip out this white floor and put in, you know, a new kitchen floor. And then of course, Pete's growing in his disdain for this other living room floor that's kind of falling apart and splintering and, you know, giving the kids splinters and everything. So I had a friend come over. She's an interior design like consultant. And I said, can you just help me? What would you, so we're going to rip out this white tile. What would you suggest replacing it with? And she was great. Like we just really talked it out and she gave a lot of her suggestions. And one of the problems with the white tile floor was it didn't just end in the kitchen. It kind of spilled out awkwardly into this foyer and then into this, a bit of the living room. Right. So there was no like real good break. So I also didn't want the white floor in the foyer because it was another place that just was filthy. I just gave up on the foyer. I mean, I didn't even try. It was awful. Um, so, you know, talking it out with my friend, she was like, there's really no good break. We kind of tried to try to figure out a good place for it, but she just suggested that we just kind of replace the whole floor and make it continuous flooring. And her suggestion was to go with the more like wood look because it's more farmy. It's more traditional. I had wanted to do tile in the kitchen and she's like, well, you could do tile on the whole first floor, but it would be kind of cold. And just talking it out, we, and you know, she gave her suggestions and really talking it out, we realized we did want the traditional wood look through the kitchen and through the whole first floor. So, right. so having renovated one house and then now coming out here and doing more projects, I think that becomes our piece of advice is to have someone else come in and get advice on it. Like it's so good to hear people's opinions from the outside and you live in your house and you kind of get um, a little, it's, it's harder to really see what's going on there necessarily. And it's just yeah. great to have help. Right, right. Um, well, I, and that was hard for me because I personally, I'm very independent and I like to be able to like come up with everything on my own, but it's really good to learn. You don't know everything, you know, it's good to get other opinions. So that was just a great piece of advice. So our little kitchen floor turned into, okay, we're going to do the whole floor. Um, so then I guess we started to do some research on what kind of wood floor do we want? Right. So we're looking at different wood floors and this has become something where, I don't want to be the naive consumer that I've been my whole life mm-hmm. where I just, I take it for granted that whatever's in the store is okay. And maybe I care about quality, but I don't really care anything about it. I don't care where it came from. And that's what we, this has been this transition that we've, we've gone through in our life you know, with cleaning products and with food and with as many purchases we can start to figure out is that we don't trust the system's in the world anymore Mm -hmm. is that there's a lot of people being taken advantage of and the earth is being taken, the environment's being taken advantage of. There's just a lot of dirty behavior going on out there and we don't want to spend our money to support it. So, you know, we still make lots of compromises in smaller areas where, you know, you just need things. So you buy them Mm -hmm. and you, this education is an ongoing thing, Mm -hmm. but now we're talking about thousands of dollars for a specific building material that's going in my house. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't just go to the store and and buy whatever. Like, right. I don't trust that. And so I start doing my research. So I'm researching hardwood flooring. And once again, it's like you find out that this it's this whole shady world of like mm. human depravity. It's mm. just all this bad behavior is going on. And it became very confusing to figure out like, where can I get a source of wood that I trust? Right. So I started learning things, and there's 
um, an FSC certification. It's like kind of the organic certification of, <laughs> of hardwood flooring, but mm-hmm. that's a uh, forest stewardship council. And it's good. Like it seems really good. And there's a couple different certifications that people can get one for the supplier and one for the supply chain. Um, so just because it says FSC certified doesn't necessarily even mean the supplier was certified. But what they're trying to do is make sure that um, at the very least that the wood is being harvested legally. Mm-hmm. So that would be really good, right? Because here in America, we can sit here and, and give lectures to Brazil about cutting down their rainforest. But guess who's buying all the wood? You know, uh, yeah. it, it's us. Yeah. And so, real quickly, I did a when for geography with the boys. We were learning about... South America and the rainforest and just the importance of the rainforest in the whole world. Like, and this is just hilarious coming from Pete and I, because we did not care about the environment 10 years ago. I mean, we have just had such a change of heart and, you know, we're learning about the rainforest and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we didn't want to be a part of people illegally chopping down the rainforest just so we could have beautiful floors in our home. Right. But I'm learning about the different hardwoods and, you know, one of the biggest questions is, what is the hardness of the hardwood? You know, pine is pretty soft. They have a, it's called the Jenka hardness rating, and it it's this way that they rate how hard wood is. And you know, maple's harder, oak gets a little bit harder, hickory is a little bit harder, and these are all domestic hardwoods. These are things we could get from United States or Canada. Maybe some of them get shipped in from Russia, but uh, the northern hemisphere deciduous forests mm-hmm. basically. And then you get into what they call the exotics, and these are like Brazilian cherry and teak and ipe and all these different woods. Um, and they're, they're like twice as hard as oak. And they're beautiful. They're gorgeous, gorgeous hard woods. And so naturally, that's going to be what everybody wants, is be like these beautiful, they're twice as hard as the domestics, and they're gorgeous. So I started looking at those, and I could find like no way to know if it was legit wood. Because even if it was FSC certified, sometimes it was only the supply I'm chain. I'm sorry, when you say legit wood, it's wood, legit wood. What oh, do you mean? It's definitely wood, but that it was wood that I could feel good about purchasing. Yes. So even sometimes when it's FSC certified, that might mean it's legal, but it doesn't mean the supplier is is really doing what we would consider moral behavior to the environment. They could just be cutting it straight out of an old, old growth forest, mm. uh, you know, out of the rainforest somewhere in the tropics. And... Um, Anyway, it was like, this is so confusing. The the couple suppliers that I could find that were really, really good, I think Mother Earth News had a list of them. It turned out to be just crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, that became kind of uh, a runaround. I was spending way too much time on it, and I wasn't really feeling good about whatever it was. And so then we started looking at the domestic hardwoods, and even then... There's a lot of bad behavior going on, you know, things coming out of, of, you know, illegally harvested and even when they're not, it's not great for the environment. So Well, talk about when we went to the, the store. That was really Oh, funny. yeah, yeah. So, so there's these like, I don't want to name the companies, but there's these cut rate lumber suppliers. You probably have them near you. There's, there's a couple different ones near us and they advertise these like crazy good prices on hardwood. So we thought we would go there and see what they had. Um, and so I, I go into the store and there's a guy there and I'm like, hi, do you have any FSC certified lumber here? And he looks at me and he's like, uh, that's not a thing. 
<laughs> like, like, oh dear. So I was like, yeah, it's it's definitely a thing. Um, and so he calls over the guy who's worked there longer. He says, "Do we? Is there something called an FSC certification?" And and the guy's like, "Oh, is that like, uh, yeah, that's uh, you cut down one tree and you got to plant two more." I was like, yeah, yeah, it's something like that. You know, we're the weird hippies now. Like, I know, just... like I'm the weird and the looks they were giving me. Yeah. You know, like I was this like. Super strange consumer that I was, yeah, I was the weird hippie guy. So uh, <laughs> that was funny and awkward. And I knew right away that that uh, that we weren't going to get anything there. And I was like, well, do you have anything that was produced in the United States? He's like, no. I was like, seriously? Like, you know, at least if it's produced in the United States, there's the government controls here. I still don't like it, but I just wanted to know if they had anything. They didn't even have that. So, um when it comes down to it, like a significant percentage, like a large percentage, I don't know what it is. I don't know if anybody knows what it is. I, I heard estimates of up to 50% of lumber, especially these hardwoods and these exotics, are illegally harvested, mm-hmm. like a large percentage. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel good about like just taking the chances with that. Right. And I know how lumbering works um, some of the ways. You know, it's it's also a very industrialized thing. So... Um, some people do it well and some people do it very badly and you're, you're just wiping out an ecosystem somewhere. So just so we, and we didn't want to be a part of that just so we could have something beautiful in our home. Right. So this is hard, you know, like growing a conscience and becoming educated in these areas means it's a lot harder to find good products. And it's a lot easier to just not want to know, like, you know, and you hear people say that a lot. Like I, I just don't want to know. I just don't want to know. But you know, that's, I don't know. I don't think that's a great yeah, Absolutely. we can't do that anymore yeah. because we do know. Like, there's been too many times where we've we've discovered where something comes from and how it's produced and all of the you know damage that goes along mm-hmm. with it. So, so we just can't do that anymore. Right. I, I mean, especially not with big purchases. Like I said, we still make compromises with things, smaller things, and we're learning as we go. We gotta yeah. we gotta be merciful with ourselves. Yeah, this is a big purchase. So we wanted to make sure that it was something that we could feel good about. Right. So long story short, I did finally find a company that, um, you know, by every appearance that I could find was doing all of the right things. And they are bamboo and eucalyptus supplier. So first thing, I had seen a bamboo floor years ago that somebody had put in. And this was, you know, this has not been around very long um, as a technology because, you know, if you know anything about bamboo, it's a it's a hollow core, <laughs> mm-hmm. and some of them get very big. You can picture that maybe maybe twelve inch in diameter, six inches, you know, all different sizes. But it's hollow. So how would you make hardwood out of that? Um, and the one I had seen early on was a newer technology, probably when they were figuring that out, and it, it did not look very good. And um, anyway, I discovered bamboo, and like it's incredible what they can do with it now. Right. Well, it's so strong that they make <clears throat> scaffolding out of it in. Like Asia, I right. guess. Well, it's, so the Jenko hardness rating is like three times as hard as oak. So it's also incredibly hard. Right. It's harder than any hardwood floors and it is gorgeous. Yeah. Oh my so goodness. They, they, it is so beautiful. It is beautiful. <laughs> they split it apart and then they, they weave it together and compress it and heat it up and it turns this caramelized color, which is just beautiful. Well, I watched a little video on bamboo flooring because I was kind of looking into it too when, when Pete was doing most of the research. And the video that they were just talking about how sustainable it is because it grows so fast and grows so easily. And I forget what they said. They said it grows from 
they said like one to three feet a day or something. Don't quote me on that, but it was some ridiculous amount that it grows a day. Right. This kind that they use for flooring. I mean, any wood should be able to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Like it all grows back. Right. Um, and there's ways of harvesting it that are, you know, encourage the ecology. Don't detract from it. Right. Um, that's just not the case most of the time. Right. And there are some companies doing bamboo out there that are doing, a, it seems like a really good job with it. Um, and the, but then the problem with bamboo is it has to be glued together. So, so we start looking at that and sure enough, you know, there's a bunch of, you can get bamboo flooring from the cut rate, you know, lumber supplier down the street. And it's like, wow, that's incredible. The price they have on that. How come the company I'm looking at is twice as expensive? Like they have, they don't even tell you the glue that was used. They have, you know, there's no information on that. It's just, it looks real pretty. So buy it. Right. No. Um, so a lot of the glues they use have a, uh, urea formaldehyde, a whole bunch of that in it and some other bad chemicals. And so you're basically bringing in this toxic material <laughs> into your house that looks beautiful and you can just breathe that in for the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we found a company that was legit with, uh, all of those things. If you're looking for hardwood flooring, I can send you that. Just send us an email. I can I can send well, you. You the say all those I things. Found. I'm sorry. All those certifications that they were using. Right. The right so they of- have certifications all around the world, and this one, you know, passed all of the certifications uh, easily. You know, as far as the chemicals and the VOCs and the formaldehydes and things that would be in the product. So that it didn't have those. It things. It didn't have those right. things. And then there's different coatings that they put on top, like. Most of the hardwood you buy now is going to come pre-finished, so you don't have to then get it finished. Um, and so um, aluminum oxide was the, you know, it's a little bit more expensive for them to do that, but then it becomes a safer, stronger finish. Uh, so there was a lot of details. And in the end of the day, we did we did the research, and I think we found something that we can feel happy about putting in our in our house. And it's incredible, right, that it takes this much work. Uh, <laughs> To do that, but you know, courtesy of the internet, we were able to to find a lot of information. Yes, so we got these. It's this beautiful, like wide plank. Um, it looks just like hardwood. Uh, a lot of I've, the people, a lot of friends who I've showed, they say I would never know that's not hardwood if you didn't if you didn't tell me. Right. And it's just really strong, and it just looks so good. But we had to do so much demo of you know ripping up, um, you know, so much of the flooring that we already had and. Um, it's been a lot of work and a lot of dirt and <laughs> yeah. a lot of dustiness. Yeah. So yeah, the whole house is coated in dust right so, now. So yeah, we decided to get some help. Um, so we hired some people to help to lay, to lay the floor and to help even some of the demo got just to be, the tile was just very installed very well. So Pete did probably yeah. half the tile and then we Glued hired. down, screwed down, oh nailed down, it was then awful. set, then tile. Yeah. It, was, it was so much work. So <laughs> So anyway, the day that the floor guys came, well, the night before, I'm laying in bed and I had this amazing idea come to me because you know how those, you have either like really bad ideas in the middle of the night or really good ideas in the middle of the night. This was a really good idea. So I'm laying in bed and I'm like, you know, our house is just so choppy. We should take down the wall between, we have like a living room and then we have this little foyer that's just totally wasted space and there's a wall between the foyer and the um, living room, and then it goes into the dining room. And I was like, "Man, we should take down that wall and just have like a huge living room that just and we don't even need a foyer. Who needs a foyer, you know?" And so I'm thinking this, and then I'm like, "No, you need to stop, Kristen. Like Pete has been working so hard this month. He's been, I mean, because when 
when you do a demo, it's not just, it's like ripping up the trim, having to speckle, having, it's just, it's not just ripping out the floor. It's all these other things that go along with right. ripping out the floor. So, I mean, with construction, it's never, that's where I feel bad for construction workers. People just want, they think things are a lot easier than they are. It's never, it's always going to take longer than you think it's going to take. It's always going to involve more than you think it's going to involve. So anyway, Pete's been working his, working like crazy. So I'm like, you know, okay, that wall would be awesome to come down, but do not tell Pete about it and for, give him a year next winter. Cause he's going to want to work on the farm in the warm weather. In the winter, I'll ask Pete to take down the wall. Which and I was is like, not like Kristen. Yeah. She, she's not the kind of person who holds back. But I just felt really bad for you. You've been working so hard. I was no. like, no, you've, I was like, Kristen, use self-control. Do not bring this up. <laughs> just leave your poor husband alone. So anyway, I, um, wake up the next morning and have coffee. And then, you know, the floor right. guys are coming and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to bring it up, but I'm going to say, let's do it in a year. Like right. I never thought we would do it soon. So I was like, so Kristen was almost successful <laughs> at holding something back for the first time in our marriage. But I, wait, hold on. I did use prudence. I said in a year, I was like, Pete, <laughs> next year we should take down this wall between the living room and the foyer. Right. So the contractor is literally in our house at this, yeah. they're getting ready to get started. And I'm like, <laughs> This wall cuts across like 20 floorboards. You know, I'm going to take it out in a year, and the patchwork to put the floor back together is going to be horrible. Are you kidding me? <laughs> do this in a year? So I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. If we're going to do this, like it has to happen now because it would be twice as hard to do it right. later. So it was like this crazy moment. It was really stressful. Like My kids are screaming. Because we have, to, I'm like having to rush them out of the house because the construction workers are coming. The construction worker was there, and I'm like, and Pete's like, "How sure are you that you want this wall down?" Now, I yeah. mean, <laughs> these things you like to think about them it's for like, a little while. What percentage? He's Give like, me a percentage. He's like, "Are you 80 percent <laughs> sure you want this wall down?" I was like, "I think I'm like 90 percent, but it could be awful." I mean, you don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Oh, you have to think goodness. about it, you know. So I'm like, "I I think it's going to look great." I was like, "What do you think?" Right. I don't want to make this alone. I don't want to make this decision alone. Pete's like. I think it could be cool. Yeah. We think it's going to be good, but now's the time. This Right now, this moment, we need to take this wall down. So also I'm scared. I'm like, Pete, is this load-bearing? Because you don't want to take down a load-bearing wall. You could... Yeah. So I was like, is this load-bearing? Yeah. Your walls in your house do multiple things, yes. one of which is support the upper floor. So if so. you don't know about construction, don't just go taking down walls. Like... I trust right. Pete because he's done so much construction, but yeah. Pete kind of ran around the house. This was kind sure. of an easy case. There was nothing... Above it, there's nothing below it. It went parallel with the joists in the house, right? Like a house that goes perpendicular to the joists in the house, there's a good chance it's holding up the joists. Right. <laughs> you got to be careful. This one was not, um, and there was clearly nothing above it or below it. It was just, it was built specifically to to make the room separated from each other. Yeah. So, but the guy, the 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 guy, the flooring guy was. I thought we were crazy because he's yeah. like. Hmm, that'll be cool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but it made their job a little easier because it's you know one less wall is a lot less cuts they got. Yeah, because so. you have to cut it, you know, to make it hit each wall, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, I'm like, I think it's good. I'm a little stressed. I think it'll be okay. And so, Pete just took that wall down. Yeah. <laughs> There's like some like a couple switches and a couple outlets in it, but that was it. Right. So, you know, you're just tearing out a wall. It's basically you know, some trim, then drywall, and then, and then... It was the perfect wall to come down, because some walls have yeah, your ductwork studs below that, the wood studs, so right. it came out in, like, two and a half, three hours. Yes, and it was the best decision. It looks amazing. Yeah. Like, I feel like, so this house has not been, you know, my dream house, and I'm also the kind of person, 
I, I didn't want a house that someone else made perfect, made their dream home. I, I like fixing things up and making things our own. So the fact that this house was in perfect condition was great for us because we could work on our farm, but it never felt like our home. Um, so, and I actually, I never watched those shows. Everybody asks me if I watch those like fixer upper shows or HGTV or whatever. I, I never, ever, I've never seen those shows because I know that I would never be satisfied. I would always be asking Pete if we could do more projects. So, um, I just, I love this kind of stuff. So it's been really cool to make it. Now it feels like our dream home. I mean, it has this huge, huge living room now that goes into the dining room and, um, it just is perfect. It's, it's so awesome. Yeah. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So it's changed the look of the house and it's really cool. Yeah. And it's made it just our own and, and I just absolutely love it. Really excited, but it's been a lot of work right now. We're actually taking a break because the demo was so dirty, so much dust and dirt that our whole kitchen is kind of covered in this layer of dust and somehow it got into all the cabinets and all over everything. Yeah. So we're having to take everything out of the cabinets if and I clean everything. If I knew it was going to be that pervasive, I would have, you know, we would have taken a lot of stuff out of the house. We just kind of left everything in our kitchen, which was being demoed, which probably wasn't the best idea. But, you know, with construction, this is, you just never... Well, I did half the demo and I kept it very clean. You did a good job with the demo that you did. (laughs) Yeah. But, but, you know, they came in there and they were just, they went, they they went for it. So it was was a cloud of dust. (laughs) It's pretty bad. So we're, we're taking a break from cleaning right now. This is more fun to sit down and chat than clean. So yeah, but you know, construction and we still, we have a lot of, a lot of loose ends to tie up with moving the, we had to move some electric and things like that, but it's totally worth it. And it looks awesome. Right. And soon we'll be ready to start our seeds. So it'll be, yeah, this is the time of year to do house projects. We've, we've come to the conclusion that we're not doing house projects during the warm months. Yeah. There's just no way. Like we want a homestead. We want to be outside and Doing all of the fun stuff like growing and taking care of animals, and, right. and we don't want to be doing house projects. But you know, come January, February, March, it's just it's just a nice reason to live in a place that has seasons because you know everything dies back. You get to start over with a lot of your gardens and and reset and plan new things. But then we can also just spend a few months inside and and have some things that we want to do there. We're not so great at doing nothing. I, no, we really need to learn how to do nothing. Maybe. <laughs> this Maybe. is more fun. But anyway, our house, I'm just so excited about it. And I don't have to wash a white floor anymore. It's like, because yeah, it's, it's gone. It, it's just so easy to wipe down the bamboo flooring. And if it looks dirty, you can't tell. Right. So it's great. I'm not a neat freak. like, But this was over the top absurd, the amount of, yeah. it just looked dirty all the time. So yeah. anyway, okay. Then thing number two that we've been doing this January, um, going to court. So that has been an exciting <laughs> adventure. So this will take a little bit of explaining, but it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, so where we live in Maryland, it's really sad because all like the land, if you drive around, you know, in the areas where we grew up that were, that had land are just so quickly being built up so fast. I right. Mean, so around Baltimore and DC is like the definition of urban sprawl. Oh, it's just, it's very, very sad. <clears throat> so what used to be country is now just townhomes and what used to be little back roads are like just constant traffic and right it's but not planned out very well so what what you end up with is lots that builders are able to buy and then the builders will put as many houses or condos or whatever they will they'll stack them in there as many as zoning allows for 
but then there's no real community planning that goes on here. So you end up with cul-de-sacs and condos and then strip malls. And so if you've been to a place like Europe where there's, you know, old planned out communities where there's, you know, town centers and squares and and places to walk to and a village atmosphere and stuff like that. Not like that. It's just yeah. it's just planned community, um, you know, developments and yeah. and cul-de-sacs and then yeah, basically strip malls. But you it. feel like no one is communicating. <clears throat> it's like, is that huge development over there communicating with this huge development basically across the street because this traffic is out of control? You know, it's just right. it feels like there's no it's no one's thinking about long term consequences or how this is affecting the community that's already present. So so and the other thing that's happening is um, there's just so many like laws and regulations for building. So a family who has very little money, it is so hard for families to get land and build on the land. I mean, it's possible, but it's very hard. It takes a lot of money and a lot of just hoops that you have to jump through and it's just not easy. But these big developing companies have all, they have the lawyers and they have <clears> the the cash and they can just somehow do make it happen right, where families financing. can't. And so it's, it's really hard to finance a house that you're going to build on a lot. That's, yeah. And there's that's a, a lot, lot of harder. little rules and things right. that are just hard for families. I've, you know, it's, it's tough. So it's been really sad because the land, you know, I really believe belongs to the, to, to people who are going to care for it too. It's not, it doesn't just belong to those who have money to develop it. And, um, and yet again, we're seeing. I'm like, we're we're seeing that our kids will have very little land around here to right. to have an opportunity <clears throat> to farm. Or um, we love to see land left for sustainable local farming, but it's just going so fast, and no one's thinking about the long term consequences. Right. It seems like. Yeah. So I'm I'm driving down the road, and I always I really the land that is close to me. I just pray for it a lot. I'm always like, when I drive by it, I'm like, God, please protect the land. I just don't want to see everything. I mean, a lot of it I have seen just get developed. But anytime I see a plot of land, I kind of just pray that God protect the land. And so I'm driving down the road and about a half mile down the road from us is this 60 acre plot of land. And it backs to the reservoir kind of like us. It's just, and it's just gorgeous. So I'm driving down and I see this big white or actually not big, this kind of small (laughs) actual white sign that says zoning hearing on such and such a date, you know, blah, 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 all this like stuff that I, nobody understands what it means. Right. But I'm like, oh my, I have eagle eyes when I see signs that say zoning hearing because I yeah. just, Around here, I that know means what's going to happen. It's like, great, it's, it's gone. Developed. It's yeah. gone, yeah. So I'm driving down the road and I see that and I just start to like panic because it's just this gorgeous piece of land yeah. with little left. And um, so I email my neighbors. My neighbors, we live in this really cool neighborhood. It's, um, we all belong to this tiny little pool and we all kind of just email each other and hang out at the pool all summer and a lot of older families, more established families than, than us. And it's just a great neighborhood environment. So I email all the neighbors and I'm like, does anyone know what's going on um, with this, you know, zoning hearing? What's happening with this land? And everybody writes back, uh, we, we never saw a sign. Like I'm the only one who saw the sign because it's very hard to see. Right. But I just somehow have eagle eyes for these signs. So um, I warned my neighbors. I'm like, this could turn into a, a huge development. You know, this could change everything from where we are. We did a lot of research, um, Pete and I, and some other neighbors as well. And we found out that this piece of land is owned by this company that's based in Texas, I guess. Right. So, so let me provide a little context here too, yes. because when it comes down to it, the only thing preventing these developments or limiting these de- developments around here is zoning. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty much it. Just the government. 
Um, and so when it comes to things like code and zoning and stuff like that, Kristen and I are very much of the philosophical mindset of like, let people do what they want on their property. Mm-hmm. Like we're not trying to have, we're not trying to call government to get in people's business, you know, in is anything that's close to reasonable. We're happy to let people have their freedom. We definitely want our freedom in the way that we live. Um, so we're not about trying to get government involved in things government shouldn't be involved in. Now, having said that, the only thing stopping um, or limiting construction companies from coming in and stacking as many houses on top of each other as possible because they're just trying to make money. Like they have no interest. A lot of these companies have no interest at all in the neighborhood or anything. They want to build houses as cheaply as possible that still look good enough that people will pay a high price for them. Mm -hmm. And they'll put as many of them there as possible. So the only thing limiting that is zoning and some of the government agencies. Like, you know, we live near a reservoir, so there's conservation laws about how many septic systems can be present and things Mm -hmm. like that. So um, having said that, a company is going to come into a zoning hearing and they're going to be able to hire lawyers Mm -hmm. and do whatever they can to, to tell the county what's there And who's going to keep them honest other than neighbors? Right, exactly. So a lot of times this just happens and people feel like they have no say. I mean, my neighbors all told me, they said that we would have never seen that sign if you didn't point it out to us. So, uh, so I... So I email all the neighbors kind of. Yeah. And there's plenty of, I mean, there's plenty of areas around here where the entire neighborhood has changed Mm -hmm. completely and people are kind of just stuck having to go along with it. Yes, exactly. So I don't know. I just got, I, I do not like to see injustice. I just got fiery. I just got the neighbors together and said, we have, we have to go to this hearing. We have, we can have a say in this. This is owned by a company in Texas. And, you know, a lot of my neighbors were all agreeing and we were getting kind of fired up. (laughs) And so, so, and then one of the neighbors actually passed out flyers around the neighborhood. Uh, so we basically got about, I don't know, 50 people to attend this hearing. And the hilarious thing Kristen is... Kristen raised, you know, <laughs> she got everybody riled up. <laughs> it was really funny. And like somehow I became, people were looking to me at the as like the lead of this thing. And I'm like, people, I'm this stay-at-home mom. I don't know anything about anything. You know, it was just hilarious. But um, anyway, so at these hearings, I think usually it's just the lawyer and the, the company, they don't, people don't usually come to these things from what I've heard. I've never been to one of these. I've never been to court except for like traffic right. I mean, court or something. Ideally but. for them, they put up their sign because they have to by law. Right. Nobody sees it and then nobody shows up. They tell the judge every all the information and right. then they right. get to do whatever they want. Well, I think most people too, I mean, I've seen those signs in the past and I've kind of more had the attitude of, oh, what can I do? You know, I don't right. know anything about court. I don't know anything about laws. Like I see the signs and it just makes me sad. But this time, I don't know. I was just fired up. I'm just sick of it. So I was like, we have to do something. I'm not going to, I was losing sleep over it. I was like, I'm not just going to let this happen, you know? So anyway, we all show up there and I think that they were probably shocked to see 50 people at this hearing. And it was a lawyer and then this company guy, I don't know, he didn't really speak. So the company from Texas guy must have come up. I don't really know. I don't know, whatever. But so they kind of present about the property and it was kind of hilarious. I kind of, as a Christian, I felt kind of bad for the lawyer because I mean, he probably wasn't prepared. Like he starts talking to the judge about our neighborhood and then the neighbors are kind of calling out like, no, you're wrong about this detail and this detail and this detail. You you don't live on our neighborhood. You don't even know the name of the reservoir that's, you know, you're going to be building near. So, right. That um, says it all right there. They don't even know the name of the reservoir that the property yeah, well, the property so literally borders. They it. were saying details in this court to, to the judge because they want to get the judge's permission to 
is too hard to explain to to make the lots um, to legal. It was several lots that they wanted to kind of put together and make one big lot. So the attorney was kind of talking about the the lot the houses that were already on the lots, and he said, "There's one house on this property already." And my neighbors all yelled out, "The ones who lived bordering the property." They said, "No, there are five houses there already with, you know, bathrooms and kitchens." And it just became this heated battle. And the judge was like, "Well, we can't make any decisions now until we get more details." But it was just amazing. It was so amazing to be there because I think at these hearings, the the businesses can just present one side, and there's never the and there's or not never, but there's often not the neighbors to to stand against it. Right. In this case, there's there's multiple houses built on the property already that aren't recorded in right. any of the county documents. So they look like they're not there, but they are there. Yeah. And then there's environmental features. There's streams and ponds and things like that right. on the property. And it, it butts up to the reservoir. So yeah. anyway, there's a lot there that it's helpful to let right. the judge know about. Right. So it was just so... I was on a high after that court case because it was just so empowering to see that we actually did have a say. I mean, we'll see, we have to go to another court hearing because we have to prove that there's houses on this property. And, um, you know, the judge said we have, we have, we can't make any decisions today, but if the neighbors, if we hadn't been there, I think what they presented would have, they probably would have just gone with it. So it was just so empowering to have a say, to make a difference. And I would say if you live in an area that's being developed in a way that you don't think is ethical, like you can go to those zoning hearings and you can have a voice Right. And you can protect the land for future generations. And again, we're not against people building homes. We just want to see them built in a way that respects the land and keeps the land and allows people to care for the land. Right. There's a huge difference between somebody wanting to do something with their land versus an out-of-state company coming in and wanting to make as much money off a piece of property as and, possible. And change the whole area. Right. right. And, and and not have to live there with the consequences. That's the hard thing. You know, they don't have to live there to, to see everything change that they love. And right. um, so. And I think that, you know, people are going to look back in another, in areas like this and in another 20, 30, 40, 50 years and realize that this wasn't a great way to go about development. Mm-hmm. Just letting this sprawl happen, you know, in an unorganized way. Right. One cul-de-sac at a time. And all these houses that were built that look really impressive from the outside and the inside that are kind of just thrown together, they're mm-hmm. going to start breaking down and right. and they're not going to stand up to the test of time. Yeah. And we have a heart for seeing old things restored. And the other hard thing about our area is there's plenty of houses, it feels like. There's yeah. houses that are not in great condition. They're not your perfect open concept houses, but you know we can restore these homes instead of just building new ones and letting the other one old right. ones fall apart or right. um so anyway but but again it's just really it's really empowering to to know that we do have a say in what happens absolutely we can make a difference yep and we can protect the land yep and i don't it's just funny that this is you and i talking because this is not <laughs> if you knew us years ago this i is know just, years I remember, and years ago i would have been like yeah let the companies do it capitalism yeah blah. whatever yeah i remember sitting in my like theology classes and them talking the teacher talking about protecting the environment and um you know is this ethical and just being like oh my gosh please what this, right what does this have to do Who with cares? anything yeah so it's just but now it, it's just such a passion of ours because now we understand just you know how this, how important this is to God and how good this is for us and for for our children to to be able to um, learn how to work and how to be, have gratitude and how to care for animals and how right. to 
how to um, help. We we believe that people make the environment better. They can. They have the power to make the environment better to to grow the right kind of plants to care for animals. Right. And so in in our case, it means not buying illegally harvested wood out of a rainforest in mm-hmm. Brazil. And it also means wanting to make sure that big corporate entities can't come in and tell us what our neighborhood's going to look like. Right, look like. exactly. To leave us no, with no land for right. future generations. So anyway, that's what we've been up to this January. It's been crazy and a little bit stressful and really exciting. Yeah. And um, we're excited to start on our seeds to get back yeah, to... and har- harvest our turkeys. Oh, I will say one thing, though. It has been really hard because... We have not had access to our kitchen for a couple of weeks because of all the demo and all that. So I haven't been able to eat. We haven't been able to eat the way we usually yeah. eat. And I am feeling it. I <laughs> yeah, can't wait to eat healthy again. I can't wait to have our kitchen back. Way too much pizza. Oh, it's Gross. awful. It's terrible. So, yeah, we're going to get back downstairs, clean up our kitchen, make real food again, cook <laughs> my eggs. <laughs> yeah, cool. So anyway, have a great all right, everybody. winter. Yeah, have a great day. Bye.